Blog Talk Radio. Satellites in the skies broadcasting live 
idea that that someone could be so evil as to go into uh, a public school uh, anywhere, go in anywhere and specifically target innocents, women, children. Uh, I, I, I can't understand it. I can't wrap my mind around it and figure out where a person's mind has to be in order for them to think that that is a solution for anything. And uh, it just it just is a, a, a horrendous tragedy. Uh, I think that everyone everyone is so ready because uh, because we have become a divided nation. Everyone is so ready. Uh, to to fast draw their agendas and start uh, start trying to shove them at, at at each other, that nobody has even let the let let the dust settle on this tragic event before they've gone to war, and uh, and I think that's sad. I don't really think that that there is a way that you can legislate against evil. I don't think that there's a way you can make laws to prevent evil. And uh, I, I would think it would be in the best interest of our representatives to to think about what has happened, to figure out uh, why it happened. Although, like I said, I, I don't I don't know if you can figure out a why. Uh, I don't know. I don't know where something like this could come from, but to figure out what they think is best to do about it, I think that immediately jumping on the uh, legislative bandwagon and saying that we're going to do this, we're going to control you better in this way, by more superior control, we'll be able to alleviate these uh, deviations from the norm. I don't see how that is going to fix anything. And uh and I'm saddened by the fact that uh that that's where this is heading. That's where this that's where our representatives are heading. They're going to they're going to law this into order. All right. Uh, we do know that that we've got a uh a young man that uh, apparently uh I, I don't I I haven't heard a lot about what their uh, what they think caused this for him or if he left any any kind of a uh a note or any kind of explanation of what he of of what or why he did, and I don't know that I really care about uh, any kind of uh, uh, manifestos or anything that anybody writes about this. I think one of the first things that uh, if you wanted to make something a law that uh, might might just have a chance of doing something about it, would you make it a law that uh, 
you can't mention the name of the person who commits a crime like this. Their name cannot be mentioned, and uh, they can receive no publicity from it. I think that that would uh, go a long ways toward stopping uh, this evil, because uh, I can't imagine uh, any other reason for somebody to do this other than thinking that they're going to become immortal, that they're going to go down in in history as the uh, as the second uh, largest uh, school shooting public massacre in history, and that books will be written about them, and, and famous people will analyze them on television and on the radio, and in, uh, and their name, and they will become immortal. I think if you want to make, uh, if you want to hurry up and make some laws, let's let's try that one out. You can't uh, you can't mention the name of someone who does something like this. That. Uh, that all references to them are permanently blocked out. They're they're completely eliminated from any any mention of ever having existed in human history. Let's try that because the road that we're going down now is is certainly I don't see how it's going to help. I don't see how punishing millions of people the act of one person is is the right way to go. Now, you may have you may you may feel differently, and if you do, then tonight is your chance to uh, to tell me and everyone else about it. You can do that by calling in at three four seven three zero eight eight seven nine zero. Because I'd like to hear from uh, I'd like to hear from you folks. Like I said, I, I'm not going to do this alone. I'm not going to sit up here and talk uh, uh, for uh, two hours about this myself because I already know what I think about it. I want to know what you think about it. <clears throat> All right, uh, Bird Dog, welcome to the show. Hi, Scout. Um, I, I have listened in on the show once or twice. I've never made any comments before, but um, I've been watching with interest um, – uh, there's there's no doubt a f- uh, full frontal <laughs> attack. Um, I, I'm, I work and travel, uh, so I get free USA today, every day. So uh, I've been watching the one-sided attack on gun rights as if that's the only issue to, to discuss, although uh, clearly there's the mental health issue, and, and that is starting to get, get a little bit of discussion now. Um, yeah, I don't. I don't know if we can have a. Can we have a two-way dialogue, uh, or am I just going to hear myself right now? Can I hear you respond? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. You can hear me. Okay, great. Um, I wanted to ask. Um, uh, um, I am on a. Uh, I'm, I'm a uh, Front Sight uh, Ambassador member, and I'm on a mailing list uh, from the the founder of that organization, and and he sent out a a pretty strongly worded note that says. Uh, hello, you know, wake up. There's only one answer to this problem, and it's all the psychotropic drugs. And so I thought, well, you know, he, he seems to have amassed quite a bit of, of data to show that most of these shooters were on some, some type of psychotropic drugs. 
Um, I very quickly started looking to see if that was true of Adam Lanza, and my first, the first thing I found seemed to indicate that no, they had searched his house and had not found any drugs. But since that time, I've uh, found a little bit on the on the web where people have said that his uncle indicated that yes, he was taking, and they named a specific drug that I'd never heard of before. Um, right. No, he was he was taking uh, he was he was taking prescription drugs. Right. So so that being the case, I, I think that maybe that ought to be the centerpiece of the uh, investigations that will no doubt ensue, um, and the discussions uh, should I think be primarily on that rather than on the issue of guns. Um, that said. Uh, any of us that are gun owners, I, I teach hunter education myself, and uh, you know clearly we teach that you know guns are the responsibility of the person that owns them, and um, if they're in your household and you have small children in your household, then you know you need to behave appropriately and, and make sure that the guns and ammunition are out of the reach of, of young curious hands, and you know and that's just common sense. Um, it is here well, again another I, I, matter to to consider what you might or might not do if you have someone in your house who has mental health issues. Um, right, and that's exactly. Uh, I think that's exactly right, but I, I don't think that. Uh, uh, obviously, I mean, the, the, his mental health issues were. Uh, they were ongoing, you know, ever since uh, ever since he was in high school and even before. He knew that uh, he knew that there were problems, and uh, he was assigned a psychologist. And uh, I would certainly think that uh, that his his folks would have taken a little bit more precautions uh, to. Keep firearms away from somebody who was who had problems. But then, uh, you know, we don't know what uh, what happened in the the household. We don't know how he acted. I don't know. I would think that uh, obviously, if somebody had uh, some mental health issues, then yeah, you would want to make sure that that they didn't have access, at least ready access to the firearm, Uh, at least not one that you're providing. And uh, there is. There is certainly nothing that's going to keep anybody from from going and getting a firearm if they want it. I mean, uh, and uh, uh, you're not sorting brass, are you? Beg your pardon. So are you, are you sorting brass? Oh no, I'm sorry. I uh, I am on my way home from work and I. I'm at a grocery store to pick up something to eat tonight. <laughs> Hope you oh, don't mind. Unfortunately, like I guess I can't go on mute. Shoveling oysters or, or sorting brass or something. Uh, there's nothing that's going to keep somebody uh, from purchasing a, uh, a firearm illegally. If that's, if that's what it is in their mind to do, if they are, they are determined that they're going to cause some pain somewhere, somehow, then... They're going to do that. And even if there were no firearms, then somebody is still going to uh, 
they're going to get uh, a couple of cans of gasoline. Or uh, I believe that the worst uh, school uh, violence so far involved uh, a man and his uh, his uh, car full of explosives and 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 filling the school full of explosives and. Uh, they're going to find some way to do it, uh, but if at all possible, I'm I'm sure that uh, one of the best things to do would be to keep it out of their reach. But and it, but how, and how are we going to do this? Are we going to make it a law? Uh, and if so, how are we going to enforce it? And who's going to give the psychovals to the people? And who's going to come and monitor what they're doing? Uh, <laughs> That's the problem right. that, that I'm having with with legislating the answers to this. I don't know that uh, I don't know that I'm comfortable with with legislating away or trying to legislate away evil. Uh, right, but I, I hope you don't uh, uh, miscalculate that the uh, the left would not hesitate to uh, to legislate away guns if they could. I, I think that. Well, no, uh, no. I mean, I, I, that's that's one of the things that has me very upset right now is that is that they uh, they've lost no time in uh, in turning this into an issue about guns and uh, yeah and yeah, that's right. I mean, it, it was a uh, firearm that caused the it caused the damage. But but taking but but stopping the production of uh, of high capacity magazines and trying to legislate it away, I, I don't I don't know that that's going to work. Let's look at let's look at the uh, uh, here. I'm gonna I'm gonna put you on uh, I'm gonna put you on mute for a while. You can still hear me, and you'll still be on there. Yeah. Sure. Thanks. Uh, if uh, if we could make something, if we could make a law against it and uh, and make it go away, then why don't we try that with drugs, with illegal drugs? Let's make them go away by making a law against it. And uh, and wait, we we already did, we did try that. Matter of fact, we spent uh, 50 years and billions and billions of dollars, and you can still get a fix on any street corner in any town in America. So how is that working? How is that going to to fix uh, this problem? Uh, Ed, welcome to the show. Hey, uh, hey, Scott. So... Um, before I go into my main point, uh, I first want to ask, were you seriously considering limiting the First Amendment as a result of this shooting, or were you just throwing that out there? Oh, no, no. No, yeah, no, I, this, is, this is certainly a uh, – uh, anything that you hear, you hear me say tonight, uh, my answer to that question is always going to be that I don't see – uh, I don't see any answer in any kind of lawmaking. 
I don't see that as an answer. Any kind of lawmaking, any kind of, of limitations or laws, I don't see that as a realistic answer to the problems that we have going on. Now, I'm talking about the the uh, insane shooters uh, going criminally, uh, criminal murderers, uh, performing insane criminal acts. I don't think there's any way you're going to legislate uh, any type of control of that. I know that's the first thing that lawmakers want to do, because that's their job. We've got to fix it. We're lawmakers, so let's make a law to make this right. We'll make a law to do this, because that's our job. We're lawmakers. And if we don't, if they don't see us making some laws to fix this, we're going to get fired. So let's make some laws. Come on, everybody. Let's do it. I don't think right. you can do that. Yeah, it's um, what I was talking about was your reference to, you know, let's make a law that says that you're not going to talk about who the shooter's name is. Um, it, that isn't going to be effective either because all that's going to do is titillate the public into going and finding out via non, you know, uh, mainstream methods who the heck was the no, shooter. No. Yeah, no, no. But I, I put that out there because I want I want people to look, to look at it and think about how ridiculous that is. I mean, do you think that's gonna that's not gonna fix anything? It's, it's not gonna fix anything. If you were going if you were going to make some kind of law, then yeah. If you're gonna make some law, kind of law, then yeah, I'll vote for that. If you're gonna start uh, destroying uh, our constitutional uh, rights, and let me let me first let me explain this too. The, the constitutional rights. I want to make sure everybody understands that our our constitutional rights are not given to us by the Constitution. The Constitution does not give us the right to do anything. Our rights, our right to defend ourselves. Uh, all our rights are given to us by God. They're simply enumerated in the Constitution. But if we're going to start destroying our constitutional rights, let's start with that one. Let's let's just bust that one up right off the bat. Let's make it illegal to uh, to post the names of these people. Uh, no, I, I don't think that any type of uh, of legislative answer to this is gonna is gonna work. And I certainly don't think the ones that they are trying to to hurry up and push through now uh, are going to have any effect. And one of the reasons I think that is because we just went through uh, 10 years of that and it didn't do anything. I mean, it didn't do anything. It didn't uh, It didn't stop any crimes. And uh, and the actual number of crimes that are committed with these with these evil weapons that they're, that they're trying to get rid of are, is minuscule. We're talking about... One percent of one percent in America. I I can give you a statistic on that, actually. In 2011, the latest FBI statistics say that there were 323, 323, that's it, um, homicides committed by rifle. When you consider our that's, population, that's all rifles too. That's all rifles. That's not just assault. Uh, what they yeah. call assault rifles. I hate even to say exactly. that because because they're not assault rifles. But they're talking about all rifles. And yeah. uh, and if you push that down even further, like I said, you're you're talking about one percent of one percent. Now there's thirty thousand murders, uh, more or less, uh, in the United States during uh, during a given year. Now we're at, we're also right now at a forty five year low. For murder. Well, they, but any given year, you can talk about. Uh, go ahead. Let, let me give you the actual number. In okay. 2011, 
the total number of homicides was 12,664, of which those homicides which were committed by murder was 2.55%. So, there you go. I mean, it's only 12,664. I mean, even in a population of 315 million, that's tiny. And it, it, is, right. and it has dropped every single year since 2007, which is all the data that I have in front of me, but I know that it's been falling for a much longer period of time. Exactly. And and uh, you can keep digging through the statistics for uh, for this, and, and and I encourage you to, because I encourage you to, uh, to be aware and to be uh, enlightened of the fact so that you can have an intelligent discussion. If, if anybody will allow you to, because like I said earlier, there, the art of debate has, has been lost in this country. Anytime you try and speak with someone on the, on the opposing side, uh, at least in my experience, I have two or three, two or three guys uh, that I know that will actually debate, and I'm, I'm very, very grateful to them because a debate isn't a one-way street. A debate is not me uh, pushing my agenda until I win. A debate is where we sit down and we talk, and one side listens to the other, the other side listens to that one, and, and you, you both become more educated on the subjects that you're speaking about. But so, so the majority of the times that I have discussions with people, all I get is, uh, and you can hear this, you listen to a radio, and you can almost always tell when there's a an anti-gun person because it sounds like they've had 10 cups of coffee and they can just talk louder. They think they're just talking louder than the host or the person that they're talking to, and talking faster uh, makes their makes their argument correct. Given that vein, I, I'm going to suggest um, a legislative solution to our current problem. It's not going to be popular. It's not going to be one that the general populace is going to appreciate or like, at least immediately, but it's one that can actually could actually make a difference. And that is a repeal of the Gun-Free School Zones Act of 1990. Allow our well, teachers, if they so choose, to carry into the schools. As long as they're meeting their You're not going to find any argument uh, against that from me because uh, because I'm in complete agreement. Matter of fact, I've got uh, I've got my partner who's uh, listening here tonight, he's going to call in just a minute. We're going to talk to you about that, too, about stuff that you know, stuff, stuff that we're doing about that. But I'm in complete agreement. Now, on almost every case where you've seen uh, a mass shooting, almost every case, it's been in a gun-free environment, uh, except the environment was not quite so gun-free, because all it takes is one shark in the water, and... If and it's it's almost so obscenely uh, evident, I, I just I can't understand why people don't see it themselves. That if I have a, a a school or a theater or anywhere else, and I know for a fact that every law-abiding person has uh, has left their weapons at home, then I'm good to go. I'm I, I'm I, I know that I'm free. I know that I'm clear. 
Because I, and all I, the people who obey the law are obeying it, and they have not broken the law, except for me. I don't care about the law. I'm going to break it. So what do I care about any signs they put up? And I can emphasize your point with just two data points that are incredibly recent. I, I mean, the, the anti-gun crowd likes to talk about all the recent things that have been happening. And they like to mention, at least recently, the Oregon shooting in the mall, where the guy stole the gun and then proceeded to go to the mall and shoot people. He killed two people, and then suddenly his gun jammed. While he was clearing his jam, a person who had a concealed carry permit drew their gun. They didn't shoot. All they did was drew, draw their gun and pointed at the guy, and his next shot, he killed himself. Well, that's uh, anecdotal. That, uh, it, additionally, well, anecdotal. It's, not, it's, it's, it's not that anecdotal because uh, most law enforcement, uh, the opinion of law enforcement has changed a great deal over the last couple of years. Before, when you had the, when this stuff like this began, you had the things, the events like at Columbine, where you had all the officers waiting outside until they could divide the plan and go in. Now, I, I thought from day one, I thought that was ridiculous because. If I was a an officer and I arrived on the scene and somebody was in a school shooting, I would say, okay, guys, line up. Here's what's going to happen. We're going in. I don't care what anybody says. We're going in. Uh, I'm going to lead the way. When I'm shot, this officer here takes over. When he's shot, this officer takes over. And now we're going to do that until it's finished, until we've fixed it. Now, law enforcement now does not want their, their folks to wait. They want them to go ahead because what has happened in a great number of cases is that the first sign of uh, of law enforcement or somebody else drawing a uh, a firearm, the shooter has has either stopped and ran or stopped and killed themselves. And this is what the first sign of any type of opposition. And, so and I and and the, what I was going to do was I was going to go into you know, the, the Newtown shooting, uh, because the anecdotal evidence from that, and we only have anecdotal evidence at this moment in time because, you know, uh, the police are withholding this information from us. But what we seemingly know, if the media can be trusted, is that the shooter killed himself pretty much the same time as the police arrived on the scene. So... Uh, that's just a you know an, an emphasis of the point that you were making. Well, right, and and like I said, I uh, I can't even I I can't sit and think about it for very long because when I do, I, I just my heart just breaks because I, I cannot I cannot in any way understand what what kind of evil it takes to do this. And But once again, I, I don't see how we're going to legislate away evil. Uh, Ed, I'm not going to hang up to you. Stay on the line. I'm going to bring another call on. Uh, this is Kathy. Uh, Kathy, welcome to the show. Hello? Yes, uh-huh. we hear you, Kathy. Hey, good evening. I actually... Yeah, I actually live in Sandy Hook, and uh, I've done two apple seeds. <laughs> and uh, I... well, let me tell you that I, my, 
my heart just breaks for for the parents of the kids, for the school, for all of you folks there in that town. I just it's to me it's like a horrible dark cloud has been pulled over my head, and and I'm not even from there, but but let me just give you my my sorrows over that. Well, thank you. I mean, I I think there's a lot of that going around, as it were. You know, I think people are are, are severely traumatized by this everywhere. Um, this town is truly devastated. Like truly, it's it's. Uh, I mean, I, I I didn't know any of these people personally at all. I have a lot of friends who know different people, and I have friends who were teachers. Uh, not there, but you know they've been there, and it's it's I don't even I just felt really compelled to call in because um, I grew up in this area, I grew up in Fairfield County, I've been here all my life, I've been in Sandy Hook for about twenty years, and I grew up um not really anti gun as far as like doing anything about it, but I never appreciated guns. I didn't have them in my life in any way. And when I I ended up watching uh, that video of uh, the woman from Texas, uh, Susanna, Susan Hupp, the one that, right, right. the Lubies massacre woman, and that just, right, uh-huh. yep, that changed my, my total attitude. I all of a sudden understood what it was all about, and I had a great respect for it. And I signed up for Apple Seeds, and I um, I can definitely say that even like I think that we can't even almost talk about anything in this town yet. People, we just have to get through the funerals. It's like there was six today, there was six yesterday. I think there was seven today actually. And uh, but I I know that people here uh, there's a lot of sympathy to, or no, there's a lot of knowledge about the gun issue and I think that there's a lot of ignorance also and reactionary um, sentiment towards it by people who don't understand the real statistics but I think there's a lot of very competent people here that uh, understand the issue and I hope so. Well, (laughs) in a town like yours, Sandy, you've got uh, I mean, uh, Kathy, right? Yes. Okay, in a town like yours, it's it's got to be awfully hard because if I remember correctly, wasn't that wasn't that the isn't this the first act of homicide in ten years? You mean in this town? I believe that's what somebody was saying. Yes, yeah, that in that town that nobody there hadn't been an act of homicide in in over ten years there. Yeah, most of it is uh, just ODs, you know, uh, suicides, you know, the normal. Uh, the things of abundance, you know, and and whatever. But yeah, no, I, I that could be easily because I don't remember. Maybe somebody well, killed their uh, wife or something. I, I don't remember the last one to tell you the truth. Well, that would be a that would be a homicide. But I think that you mentioned something, and I, I was talking about it through the beginning of the show, Kathy, and that is that now is not the time to be going at each other. I don't care what side you're on. I don't. Now is not the time to be. To be bringing out the hammers and the axes and going at each other. Now is the yeah. time to to uh, to be in 
to be in sympathy with the folks of this town yeah, and the, and there'll be plenty of time to uh, to work things out after the dust settles. There's no reason that everybody has to start going after each other with, with knives right now. I think there's I think that that is we've become so uncivil. Uh, Thank you. But, yeah, I I think the virtual wor- world has done that to us because I'm not really connected to a lot of the I'm not on the face thing and I don't have a television. And I I do my dealings in person with people. I write letters and I call. You know, I'm not a tweeter, Twitter twatter. I don't do that. And I think that that really has ruined a lot of what you're talking about, our, our, able, our, our, our ability to talk to one another with differing opinions and come to resolutions. We're not able to do that anymore because you don't have there's a lot of civil reactionary. You that's a thousand miles away. You don't have to be civil if they can't see your face. They don't know who you are. You can be as mean and cruel as you want. Yes, exactly, exactly. When you have to be responsible for your actions because you're standing right there, you act differently. Right, and uh, I was saying earlier in the show that that I think most Americans have lost the ability. They've lost the, the knowledge of the art of, of debate. And even if they hadn't, like I said, my my... My first statement on this is that now is not the time to be arguing about this. Uh, you don't if you if you're in a car accident and you get your leg cut off while you're sitting in the hospital uh, in the emergency room waiting for the treatment. You you don't start writing up legislation on car safety. Uh, you wait for everything. You wait for everything to be figured out and. Uh, and you try and do it with a level head. Uh, well, that's the thing. When you're totally emotional, yeah, when you're totally emotional, it, you just are reacting. And, I mean, even today I left the house and I was going somewhere and I'm supposed to be doing something and I forgot everything. I, was, I had to drive back. I mean, I'm, I, you're out of your uh, – your common sense kind of leaves you. You know, you, you're you're distracted. You're not – you know, it's, it's like you're a little – off kilter, you have to wait until you're grounded again in order to make a wise decision about what needs I've to done be done. That. I've done the same thing, Kathy. I've over the last couple of days, I've I've been working, and uh, I'll be sitting there with a the wrench in my hand, not not turning anything, and mm-hmm. I'm just sitting there, and I'm thinking, what what is wrong with me? I feel sick. What what, yeah. what is wrong? Am I getting sick? What's wrong with me? And then I. I realize, I remember that that it's still there. You know, the cloud is still hanging over well, me. Anytime we're all there's a connected. national tragedy like this. We're all connected through the humidity or something. I mean, there's something in in the water or the whatever whatever you want to cut. You know, the, we all have a consciousness that connects on a level. It's like when you know that something's happened to your brother or your mother or your, you know, your, your daughter or something. It's like you, you just know it. It's like we're... We have a, a, a higher purpose, and it, you know, it, it takes tragedy. It takes absolute tragedy for people to stop and and recount what is important and what the priorities are. You know, it's like there are no Christmas lights up in my town, and I'm not a big Christmas person because I don't really. I think it's all kind of a distraction, you know. Um, right. So I don't really, you know, I go to my parents' house. They have a tree, whatever. I've never done a tree. I have no interest in that. 
And I've always thought Christmas lights were kind of uh, just kind of gaudy and ostentatious. And it's like, you know, oh, look what you got while a rack is burning. You know, you're lighting these trees. Right. And, and and I don't see it this year. And I like it. I really like it. It's like people are saying, let's look at what's important. And let's, you know, and, and then once we do that, like you say, the fighting will cease. I hope. Yeah, because well. I, I hope so too, Kathy. But I I got to tell you that uh, that I also have uh, I also have a, a very terrible worry that it's not. You know. Yeah. Uh, you've been you you if you've been to an apple seed, then you have uh, read uh, Doctor Fisher's book, uh, Paul Revere's Ride. And, oh yeah. Uh, I mean, you may not have read it, but you've heard you've you've heard people talk. Oh yeah, about I've it. heard you, yes, you, the stories. I I've been uh, listening to the radio for a long time. I used to listen to Jerry Brownfield. That's how I found out about the apple seeds originally. And, okay. Uh, well, Doctor Fisher and I we've we've had a couple of really long discussions. He's been on the he's been on the radio show a couple of times too. And uh, and I remember one night we were talking about. I was trying to explain to him. That that there was something that I I never that I never read from any authors I never heard them discuss it and that is that before there's any conflict before there's an actual shooting war anywhere or uh, or, or any rebellion or anything like that it, it it never starts out of thin air not even Pearl Harbor we knew Pearl Harbor was coming we didn't know what day it was going to be but we yeah. knew it was coming right so it wasn't a complete surprise but still. Before, before when two two groups oh no, my phone might be dying. Um, hello. Oh, I think hello, my hello? phone's dying. I think my phone is dying. Yeah, it's not your phone. It's not your phone. Um. Uh, hello. Hello. Hi. Hello. Can you hear me? Hi. I can hear you. Oh, that's awesome. Um, I, it would seem that scouts. Um, cell phone or however he was connected to us has died. I'm hoping that everyone else can hear us. And uh, I would just continue. So go ahead. You were were making a point. And at the point in time whenever Scout died. Go right ahead. Scout is... uh, There's Scout. No, this is the call screener. Scout will be dialing back in quick as he can. He got cut off. Y'all please continue the conversation. Alrighty then. Well, I'll tell you that uh yeah, this uh this this town here, this Sandy Hook, this little enclave of weirdness. <laughs> um I don't know. I, I really don't know what to say about much of anything because I am not a professional. I am just calling in to kind of represent the real because there's so much weirdness on the internet about all sorts of things and I mean I don't mind talking about those things but 
ultimately, I just wanted to kind of just and, call and we, we the rest of people. You, we appreciate people. you calling in, Kathy. We do, because uh, when I first saw your... And by the way, sorry, folks, I thought that was... I thought Kathy was saying her phone was dying. I guess something happened to mine. I believe there was a... Okay, good. Yeah, I thought it was me. Momentary power outage or something here at the house. Uh, <laughs> when, I first, when I first saw you on the switchboard, I was I was afraid it was going to be uh, a much different call than what it was. Nonetheless, I wanted to I wanted to, to go ahead and, and, and give that person the chance to say it. So I, I'm grateful that uh, that it turned out the way that it did. And uh, and uh, and I'm sure that there are people that that they don't know uh, right now. You know, like I said, there's a there's a lot of anger about this, and it's not anger. Uh, it, it it's not directed in the right place because it can't be because the guy's dead. Wait, that's the media. Maybe if he was that's alive really and, you, and you could you could parade him through the streets and people could could hit him with a broom handle or something, then then maybe that would help alleviate it. But but you can't. You can't do that. And people are they're angry, they're hurt, and they want to strike out. They want to lash out at at the pain that's causing that's being caused. I know that uh I know that there's been times when stuff has gone on in, in our family, maybe something that the kids did or something. And uh, and it's really upset my wife and I and we end up arguing with each other. And we're both we're both agreed on everything, but we still end up arguing with each other because we don't know we don't know how to because we're hurt and we we want to lash out and but we don't know how to fix anything. You know. Have Have you ever heard of the author? Uh, have you ever heard of the author James Allen? There is a book. Uh, it's a very short book. It, it's a very short book. It's only like nineteen or seventeen pages, and it's called As a Man Thinketh. And it basically is <clears throat> about how your words and your actions are your character, and it, it, it's 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 a it's a very inspiring little piece about how whatever you put out there is what you get back, and whatever you put out there goes on forever. You know, you create ripples that last forever. Whether you're telling somebody they're ugly or they're beautiful, you're doing something when you do it. You know, and it it's a it's a really concise and very very inspiring thing to read. And I it's really made me in this past month or two, um, like really be res- more because I'm really into being responsible for my actions. I think that's what America is missing. Everybody wants somebody else to take care of them, whether it's uh, locking you in a room, you know, as a safety right. plan. It's that principle. If you look at her, that principle, Dawn Hopsprung, she is an, an incre- she was an incredibly intelligent and competent woman. That woman would have been a great shot. If she was armed, she was the first one killed, the principal. If she was armed, she would have taken care of it immediately. Immediately. And she would have... It, she was an incredibly competent person. You could see just by looking at her. So that's well, kind of... Uh, 
that's where I'm at. I know a lot of other people are there, but we're just not having that conversation yet in this town because we're still in the midst of other things. That's right. Well, let me ask you. You said that uh, before you, uh, before you went to, well, you was even before that. You said that uh, growing up, you you didn't have any interaction with firearms. You didn't have any use for them, and you thought that they may be a source of problems. And then oh, yeah. you, uh, I, yeah. and then you learned about uh, Susanna Huff's ideas on it, and then you went to an apple seed after that? Um, it was actually, well, what I did in 1999, I actually took a, a concealed carry course here, and I just could never go through with, because I, you know, I've, I've never had a speeding ticket, I've never been arrested, and they told me I had to go into a police station and be fingerprinted, and I was like, are you kidding me? Like, why would I do that, you know? So I never went through with the concealed carry thing, but I did end up many years later, it was probably uh, a good 10 years later, I took my first apple seed, because I used to hear it on Derry Brownfield all the time, and I tried to get people to go with me, and no one would go with me, so I, I did them both by myself, which was a little intimidating, but I did it, and it was awesome. It was totally great. Um, my first, uh, Dan and Todd were my shoe bosses, and uh, Phil and Dave, and it was awesome. Everybody on the line was incredibly uh, supportive and friendly, and I really got over my intimidation of the whole, uh, you know, like walking on a range or something. I would have never envisioned myself doing that. Um, right. But I think I, I think that, you know, it's about the same thing, being responsible. If you want to hide there. in a closet, you hide in a closet. I am going to protect my family. That's the way I'm looking at it. Right. And you said that, <laughs> uh, that the people in, the, the people actually that they're in the town, they're not all, they're not all calling out in one voice for gun control. There is no call here for that. None. None. I haven't heard one person say that here. I've heard people well, who aren't aren't from here say that, you know, and and, and mostly people who live in city situations uh, where, you know, they might uh, definitely have a, a you know, the guns are a different kind of thing. In a city, you know, people, right. uh, because the only people you see with them are criminals. You know, so people think, oh, guns, oh, only criminals have guns. And it's like, well, yeah, maybe where you live. But, uh, no, I don't see any of that. I haven't seen one bit of that. And if anything, I think there's a lot of people who are, are firearms owners in uh, Connecticut. I think there's a lot of people who know their rights here. Um because, you know, with money and education comes a little bit more uh, uh, power or whatever you want to call it. You don't see, like, episodes of cops where people are being dragged out of their windows in Connecticut. Right, you don't right. see it in poor places in Florida or L.A. or, you know, but people here are – I'm I'm just hoping that they – aren't fooled. And I remember, because like I said, I'm not on the social media thing, but the first couple of days this was going on, I was at a friend's house and they were showing me all the the chatter. And mm-hmm. I would say two-thirds of it was people explaining the meaning of the Second Amendment and uh, not blaming the tool at all. And I was right. actually kind of happy about that. I don't know what it is now. I think a lot. I think people are kind of just trying to not talk about it now because people are fighting 
like you said. Right. People are trying not to, uh, you know, because it's, it's, you're coming into this holiday, and it's just like this, you know, people get drunk, and it's like all of a sudden they're fighting about stuff, and it's like, you know, if you can't have a, a real conversation about it, don't bother. So. Well, Kathy, I really appreciate you calling in, and uh, and if you wouldn't mind, maybe you can call in uh, uh, call in again, maybe next week, and and let us know what uh, you know what's what's going on there, what the people are saying, and it, uh, and once things start settling down, and and they've been given a chance to to bury all the dead and to and to begin. I'm not going to say that they're going to end. The, the grieving process is a is a, lasts a lifetime. Uh, I uh, yeah, I really can't imagine. I, I I really can't imagine. I I just can't imagine what is going on with some people. Two of the families are right on my road. They're they're just down the street from me. I didn't even you know. It's like I don't even know them, but they're they're right on my street, number eighty three and number eighty four, right across the street from each other. It's just well, it's really something. Well, I want to thank you for taking all this time, and I just want to ask if, yes, you can just ask people to just pray for us here because we can use all the positive, everything we can get. Well, I certainly will. And like I said, uh, Kathy, give us a call back and let us know how things are are going, okay? I will do that. I will do that. Thanks for your time. Thank you. Cheers. Uh. And I'm not, Kathy. I'm not hanging up. I'm just gonna put you back in, uh, back in the queue, so you can listen if you want. But uh, uh, I'll, I'll be glad to do what she asked because I've been doing it every night and every, uh, every, uh, all day long. I've been doing it, and that's praying for the, the peace of mind, the peace of heart, and praying that that the parents and all of the people involved in uh, in this, that they can find some peace uh, in this. And and I can tell you that, that if it were me, there wouldn't be a lot of peace that I'd be able to find right off the bat. Uh, I would certainly need some help to begin to find it. So uh, if you are of a praying persuasion, and I hope that you are, then please remember the folks, uh, not just in Sandy Hook, but the folks across the United States that uh, have been going through this uh, in in different times and, and different folks that it's been having to. And, uh, <clears throat> and pray for our country. Pray for our nation to uh, to figure out a way to deal with this uh, without uh, the the political bloodshed that is going on. What I was going to explain right before uh, apparently my phone had died. What I was going to explain was that uh, when Doctor Fisher and I were talking about this, I asked him if he had ever thought about the fact that that before anything happens, before you actually have any players uh, out on the field shooting at each other, that you have the two opposing groups, and, and they, they are traveling in, uh, in divergent paths, and they're, they're, 
the distance between them is getting greater. And their their ideology is uh, is separating and they're polarizing. And as this path is going along, as they're going down this path, at some point, uh, and there's no... Uh, there's no line in the sand. There's no uh, line of demarcation. But at some point, it becomes a done deal that there's going to be war. It becomes, it, it's, it, it has, it has become a fact in the mind of both sides. And all that anybody is waiting for is for the ref to blow the whistle and for the game to get started. And that has occurred in in every conflict that you can look at. Uh, and there was no difference for America in 1775. We had uh, we had many years leading up to the actual events of April 19, 1775. It wasn't just a spontaneous uh, a, a spontaneous uh, act that People dropped their shovels in the field and grabbed their rifles and and ran uh, to begin committing acts of rebellion. It had been going on for uh, for almost two decades. The ideas were getting uh, of the two groups were getting further and further apart. Now you had you had it uh, come close to a head with the Boston Massacre. But at that time, uh, the 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 two paths had not separated far enough. And then you had the what at the time would have been considered gun control acts. You had the powder raids, which I thought was a when I first read about it, I thought was a very stupid thing on the part of General Gage because, in essence, what he was doing was he was training the rebels. Uh, because none of the powder raids uh, ever ended in any type of uh, a battle or anything. So what he was doing was he was allowing them to train, uh, to build their leadership, to build their lines of communication, to train themselves in how to respond to an act so that on April 19th, uh, they were fully trained, they were fully prepared, logistically and otherwise, and... And he was surprised. But long before that had come the splitting point in the people's minds. Now, I'm not talking about that the colonists wanted independence, because a great many of them had no desire for independence. They simply wanted their rights as British citizens under the Constitution. And at some point along the paths, they did cross that line, and... And war was all but a fact. And I look at the people in America today, and I worry that we're that we're following that same path. That the the two ideologies in America have become uh, polarized, and they've drawn. Each side has drawn uh, its followers, and now the two paths are beginning to become divergent. And each side is playing the demise of the other. And at some point, 
if we can't stop this, at some point we're going to cross that line. And nobody's going to know where it is. We're going to cross that line, and then there's no fixing it. We're going to cross that line, and then all that all that has to happen then is for the whistle to get blown. Now, the left feels like this was the whistle for them. But I can imagine if there was some type of... Uh, of a uh, of a Waco or a Ruby Bridge or something like that. Uh, not right now, but if the path continued to diverge and there is something like that, and then some type of a, a mass call for uh, for gun confiscation and arrests of uh, of the citizens, uh, then. I worry that that could be a possibility, and there's no need for that. Uh, okay, let me bring a, another call on. Alan says he wants to talk. Alan, welcome to the show. Appreciate it. Uh, okay, let me bring a, another call on. Alan, to talk. Alan, well, go ahead, Alan. You got, we, you got the floor. Okay, I appreciate the evening uh, to talk to you. Um to qualify things a little bit, my wife and I are both uh, basic pistol instructors for the NRA. Uh, my wife is also uh, teaches, uh, refused to be a victim uh, for the NRA also. Uh, well, I agree with you 100% about the uh, the legislative actions that are being threatened. Uh, and I'm afraid uh, of a knee-jerk reaction uh, at this point in time. Uh, I I do believe that the schools need to be hardened a little uh, rather than being a soft target as they are now. Uh, I was listening to Fox News this morning, and they were speaking of a uh, school in Texas that is approximately 20 minutes away from any police protection. And uh, they have armed teachers within the school that are carrying concealed, uh, and no one except the principal of the school knows who these teachers are, uh, which would prohibit anybody breaking into the school being able to neutralize the threat that the teachers may be. And I think that is an excellent uh, way of helping to protect our young people. Uh, another another thing that really scares me about this legislative action, uh, whether I'm listening to, uh, I'm a conservative person myself, whether I'm listening to conservative radio or television, uh, and listening to a lot of the legislatures, they uh, they don't know the difference between a semi-automatic firearm or an automatic firearm. Uh, everything is an assault weapon if it is a semi-automatic. Uh, they don't know the difference between a magazine and a clip. And it just scares me that these people are going to be legislating some kind of law that law-abiding citizens will adhere to, and those of the criminal mindset will not. Well, that you just said it right there. 
And that's the big problem that we have with this, is that if you could legislate away criminality, then by gosh, I'm all for that, then let's do it. But you're not. You're only going to you're only going to affect the people that obey the law. And we don't we're not fearful of those people. We're fearful of the people who are criminals, who it's in their basic makeup that they're not going to obey the law. And and they're not going to listen. Uh they're not going to do anything that uh that is legislated at them uh in way uh, at all in in any fashion. The last uh assault weapons ban had no effect whatsoever. As far as anybody can tell from any of the uh the number crunching on uh stopping any crime, uh it had no effect on people getting uh firearms or high capacity magazines. It, one of the things that people have to remember is even if you stopped making them today, if you stopped making them and made it illegal to to sell them, unless you made it illegal to even have one in your possession. I don't know that they're doing that. Maybe they are. But even if you did that, there are millions and millions of them out there. And there's the way that it ought to be, and there's the way that it is. And the way that it is is that there are hundreds of millions of firearms in this nation. Yeah, I, I agree with you 100%. And, and like you said earlier in your program, you can purchase drugs on any street corner in any city in the United States, just like I could purchase an illegal farm at any time I want to throughout the small town that I live in. Uh, but my wife and I, <laughs> we like to use a dealer. <laughs> We have traded in firearms on new firearms, uh, but we do maintain records uh, that were given to us from Cabela's. <laughs> uh, and so we have a record of where our firearms went after we traded them or after we sold them. We have a record uh, that we maintain ourselves. Because there's something weird going on tonight. I don't know what it is, but uh, I have never been. Uh, I've been shut out of the system eight times now. That means that somebody at Blog Talk has turned off. Uh, has turned off my telephone eight times, and uh, that's never happened to me before. Uh, so I don't know. Uh, if, somebody uh, on the left must be extremely active this evening. Well, uh, I, I, I'm not going to put the tinfoil hat on yet, but I will tell you that uh, the blog talk is a very, uh, uh, it's a very, uh, it, I mean, it's not a conservative organization. Let me say that. And like I said, I, I've never, I've never had my line shut off 
eight times in a row. So if if I for some reason you don't hear me commenting or something, that's probably what I'm doing is I'm trying to dial back in. Uh, I'll tell you uh, something that came into my wife's and my mind immediately since we are instructors uh, for the NRA is we hammer safety and hammer safety and hammer safety to our uh, students. And one of the biggest things that we try to instill in our students is to, when you store a firearm or when you store ammunition, store it so an individual other than yourself does not have access to it. That 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 is part of the safety and the responsibility of the gun owner. That would have prohibited this individual from using the farms that he did, but had he had this on his mind that he's going to commit this crime, he could have used his mother's vehicle that he drove from the home to the school in to have caused damage to these uh, babies at the school. but it would have prevented him from using the firearms and the ammunition stored within the house if it would have been stored in a in a secure fashion. Right. Right. Well, that that's number ten. It just cut me off again. Well, listen, Alan. I appreciate you. I appreciate you calling in, and you guys keep working at uh, keep working at what you're doing. Keep trying to uh, inform folks and teach them and instruct them because the the only real solution to this is going to be having someone standing in front of uh, whatever active shooter it is, someone uh, ready to stop them. That's the only answer to it. So keep doing what you're doing. And, and Alan, and, and don't be a stranger. Call in any time, okay? I, I appreciate you taking my call, and uh, please keep up your good work. Thank you very much, sir. God bless and keep you and your wife and your family. Thank you very much. Merry Christmas to you. Thank you. Merry Christmas to you too, sir. All right. Like I said, I I, I got no idea what's going on with this. I've never uh, never been cut off like that uh, uh, so many times. But we'll just keep uh, we'll just keep going. All right. Uh, I want to take uh, Josie Wales now. Josie, welcome to the show. Did I just uh, they just dumped Josie Wales. Uh, all right, Josie, call back in because uh, I wanted to get you on the air. I was talking to Jolie, Josie uh, uh, a little earlier tonight, and I asked him if he would please call in because. Uh, uh, He's a good man, part of the New York uh, Appleseed crew, and uh, he had some things he wanted to say. So I'd like to, uh, I'd like to get him back on. And uh, Alonso, if you want to uh, to call in, then I'd like you to talk about uh, about what our company is doing. So uh, when you get a chance, give us a call in. The the idea that we're going to stop something like this, and and believe me, I understand the anger in this. I understand the the anger of the folks who it's affecting, but I don't understand the anger of of a majority of the folks on the left. And 
listen, uh, let me let me make sure you guys understand. I'm not a uh, uh, I'm not a, a an anything letter in front of my name. I'm not a Republican. I'm not a Democrat. Uh, I'm not a Libertarian. Uh, I'm just me, and I vote for whoever I think is going to do the job, and I vote against whoever I think is not going to get it done. And I try and use my best common sense and the life uh, lessons I've learned over 52 years to make those judgments. And when I talk about the left, I want to make sure that uh, I'm not trying to offend any folks out there with these in front of their names because because, uh, in my world, those folks are just as important as anybody else. I think that uh, Washington uh, stated it very clearly when he said the two-party system is going to be the death of our nation, and I, and I think that it is. I think it's one of the things that's helping to, to polarize this, because if, if you're not one thing, then you've got to be the other, right? Well, you don't. You don't have to be the other thing. All right, you can just be you. You can just you can just listen to common sense and act on that. You don't have to follow the guidelines of and 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 get into lockstep with any kind of a, a letter in front of your name. You can do what you think is right for you without listening to anybody else. I mean, you can listen to folks. You can listen. You can listen to their advice and then and you can weigh it in your mind and then you can decide what you think is best for you and for your family. You don't have to you don't have to follow in lockstep with any kind of party. Uh, or listen to any of the the trite that uh, that both parties like to spew out. You can use your own common sense, and you can be your own man, your own woman, your own leader. You can lead yourself to the correct decisions to be made. <clears throat> I think that uh, I think the thing that bothers me about uh, about the far left is that. Whenever I and I've done a bit uh, of of reading recently uh, of the what you call the far left forums and stuff like that because I like to see what they're thinking. You know, when Appleseed started, when it first started up, we had uh, a, a group of us that were like uh, the the Ready Reaction team, and it was our job to uh, to scour the internet for references to Appleseed, and any time there was uh, some type of incorrect information put out. We were we tried to uh, to insert the correct information as uh, as quietly and politely as possible. And uh, on my rounds, I ended up hearing some of the most bizarre stuff uh, that I've ever heard, and that is that. Appleseed was an organization dedicated to teaching folks how to kill gays and lesbians. Uh, Appleseed was an organization dedicated to teaching folks how to kill kids, how to uh, stalk and murder uh, uh, other races, on and on. There's everything out there uh, that I've heard. Everything out there that uh, that is just as bizarre as you can get, and and the fact is that those folks had they have no idea what they're talking about. They're they're writing stuff out of complete ignorance because it's how they feel about things. 
And right now you have the folks on the on the left, on the far left. I have to consider it the far left, although uh, although each side is, is polarizing itself up tight. But they are calling for the mass executions of NRA members. They're calling for people to be drug out into the street and killed. And and they're not kidding. And they're not they're not suggesting this as a figurative. Uh, uh, you know, uh, event. They want to see it as a literal event, and that kind of uh, that kind of talk, that kind of thought, really frightens me because because it's just another example of how far apart we've gotten. And I also have to tell you that if you had uh, if you had a group of folks. On on the conservative side, if you had them, uh, large numbers of them, calling for the execution and and, and plotting the execution of uh, of liberals, I can guarantee you it would be front page news. So uh, I, the media, I feel, bears a uh, bears a large part of the responsibility. For this polarization, and uh, and they could also be part of the solution in fixing it, but they're not going to be. <clears throat> All right, uh, I told you that uh, that uh, my partner Alonso One and I, you guys have heard us uh, talk before about our company, Double Road USA, and uh, and we feel that uh, that this is a tragedy that is. Uh, that has been affecting the whole nation, and and we got into the to the company. We got into uh, into uh, shooting instruction by Appleseed because we wanted to do something uh, something to help safeguard the freedoms and liberties of our nation, and. That is carried over into the philosophy of our company, and we want to do things to help uh, our to help our nation. We want to do things to help the people in our nation. And uh, there you go. And then uh, I just uh, got your mic open, Mark. Welcome to the show. Hi, Mike. Well, uh, why don't you tell us? Uh, why don't you tell the folks? What uh, we've been talking about, Mark? Yeah, we've been talking uh, a lot in the last uh, week or so, and uh, you know, with this, this tragedy, it's uh, it's really like a, uh, a hit in the gut. I, I don't know about you. Well, I do because we've been talking, but it has really uh, brought me down. Uh, I don't think there's been a night yet where I haven't woken up and just laid there thinking about it. And it's mainly, I guess, because I keep looking at my boys. And I just cannot believe how someone could be so lost to do something like this. But uh, anyhow, um, it, it, so yes, it's something we have been talking a lot about. And uh, yeah. what we've decided um, to do, and, you know, any other time we talk or if I come across somebody, I shamelessly plug Battle Road USA. But uh, tonight, I don't. I want people to know it's out there, but I certainly don't want it to sound like as, as if we're taking advantage of this situation because we're not. We do want to help. 
And uh, we are offering teachers, and not just teachers, any employee, whether it's a uh, custodial worker or whoever, if you're near and around our children at school, you are most welcome to come out to Battle Road and take any or all of our classes as many times as you like, absolutely free of charge. Uh, that also applies to their CHL. They will have to pay the state tax, uh, but we're not going to charge them a dime. Right. Yeah, there's a there's a, about 150 or 180 bucks worth of stuff that you'll have to pay, but we won't be making any money on it. We're doing this because uh, because we feel it's the right thing to do. Because and, and and Mark and I have talked about this quite a bit. How can we how can we help? How can what is the answer to this? And really, the only answer is there has to be somebody right there. There has to be somebody willing uh, to put their put their self, their life on the line right there and right there. Because I don't care if you had twenty. If you have 20 policemen in a school, I guarantee you that if I wanted to go into that school and cause some damage, even with those 20 officers in there, I could still do it. It's it's going to have to be uh, somebody in the school that's that's right there and ready to do this. This isn't something that's going to go away. This isn't this isn't a, a fad. Now, hopefully, uh, it'll become cliche. Like many of the other things, uh, serial killers and stuff like that uh, uh, have over the over the last uh, you know three or four decades, and it'll start uh, it'll start uh, fading away. But it's never going to leave. Evil evil is never going to leave us, and there's always going to be somebody. Is going to want to do something. It's going to want to. They want to strike out and hurt as many innocent people as they can. And the only way that uh, it's going to be stopped is by a person right there, right, right at that location, ready and willing uh, to put their self on the line, to put their life on the line, and stop it. And uh, Mark's been working on uh, active shooter course that's going to be specifically designed for. Uh, for situations like this, and that's so that'll be another course that we'll be offering free of charge to uh, to school employees. Yes, Mike, you're absolutely right about uh, someone having to be there to stop this. I've been a police officer, and I still am for over 20 years. And uh, just watching the news and hearing people ask for more police officers at the school, well, I've been there. I did my time out on the street. And I know that's not going to work. There's just simply not enough of us. Even if I were in my patrol car two blocks away and someone starts shooting, how long does it take me to receive that call from dispatch, figure out where I'm at, hey, the school is right over here, two lefts and a right, get over there, and then get inside the building and find the shooter. That's a lot of damage that can be done. And right. Well, after Columbine is when they started the active shooter program. It's a good program. All officers have to go through this program at least once. I've been through it a couple of times because uh, I'm slow. I've got to learn these things. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I, I'm curious. Maybe somebody out there can Google this as well. 
since since the active shooter program started, and I believe that may have been in '99 or 2000, I'm curious to know how many times have the police actually stopped an active shooter? How many times have the police got there, got inside of whatever structure it is, and shot that bad guy and stopped him from killing anybody? I think we've been getting there after the fact. If everything is right. happening too fast. Now, when they have been hearing sirens and such like that, you know, or they see the officers over and off and off themselves, which seems to be the trend with these people, but it, you just you just simply, there's not enough officers, and it, you need somebody inside that classroom, and in every classroom is a teacher. And I believe that's what the answer is going to be. Right, and we're certainly not advocating that uh, that we give uh, a blanket policy for all teachers to start carrying guns in the classroom because uh, my wife's a teacher and I've I've been uh, around other teachers for quite a while and a lot of them are crazy, but uh, just like uh, you know, just like anybody else, right? But there, why can't there be a program? like uh, the airline pilots have. The airline pilots, if they choose to carry a firearm, then they're, they, they're taken through a rigorous process of training, they get the psych valves and everything else, in order to ensure that, uh, that they're not crazy and that they can handle the firearm. And listen, I've got uh, several buddies that are, uh, that are pilots, including you guys. A lot of you guys know uh, Ferdinand from... Uh, the Appleseed Project, and uh, he and I talk about this quite a bit. The training that they go through is very, very rigorous training. Uh, I believe it's about a week long, uh, twice a year, and uh, and they have to go through some really tough uh, situations, and they, they do a lot of shooting. They do a lot of, uh, of what-if situations where they have to work through it. They do a lot of uh, different scenarios, uh, uh, and there's no reason that we can't do the same thing with our teachers because, uh, like Mark was saying, and I was speaking about this earlier uh, in the program too, is that uh, the, and of course I'm sure you, you've probably heard this quite a bit too, Mark, you're, you're still in law enforcement, and that is that the uh, the old attitude of of, of waiting for uh waiting for the SWAT team to get there, waiting for everybody to assemble, and then getting a plan, and then then executing the plan. And that's the old way of thinking, because now they're saying uh, whoever gets there, uh, they want them to go ahead and begin entry, because in uh, what has been happening in this case, in, uh, in almost all of the cases, is that whenever the active shooter is engaged by a, another person with a firearm, even when the firearm isn't uh, actually shot at them, that they've taken, they've used that moment to go ahead and uh, and end their spree, whether it would be to surrender or to shoot themselves. So, so that's the only way that we're going to fix this. It's not going to go away. People aren't going to just... Uh, they're not going to say, look, uh, we saw Feinstein's law against the high-capacity mag, so no more school massacres, that's out. 
because even if you could go out and get every single high-capacity mag in the world and get rid of it, uh, that doesn't stop uh, revolvers or knives or cans of gas or anything else. You, the only thing that's going to stop a person who's actively engaged in hurting other people is somebody with the ability and with the determination to stop them. So uh, that's what you know, our program is about. It's about giving uh, giving folks who are uh, who are school employees. We want to give them the ability to come and take these classes that we offer at uh, BattleRoadUSA.com at no charge. We're not trying to make any money off this. We're simply trying to provide instruction and education that may someday save their lives or the lives of uh, of the children in their care. Go ahead, Mark. Right. It, it, you know, just a moment ago when you were talking about uh, the magazine ban and stuff, I, I believe pretty much everybody, at least listening to the radio show, we all know it, 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 all that's political. It's not going to stop anything. Uh, but I, I won't get into politics. We don't have. I don't have time for. I don't even feel like talking about it. But uh, to prove that point, is you remember one day we were getting ready for a, one of our shotgun courses, and I brought out that uh, uh, break open shotgun I have. That old I don't know what it is H and R. It's just yeah. a little rust bucket I have. Yeah. It's not part of our shotgun course, but you and I were out there just having fun because shooting is fun, and just. Right putting, grabbing around from the saddle, throwing it inside that chamber, uh, firing, breaking it open, putting another round in. We were putting a beating on those skills, and we were doing it fast, and we were doing it with a single-shot shotgun. So if the intent is there, these terrible things, can they'll always continue because there's always going to be evil. And that's why I believe we need teachers ready to go. And I'm also glad that's right. Uh, I'm, I'm glad you talked about this not being a blanket. Uh, you, you know, just give a gun to every teacher because not everybody's cut out for this. And yeah, I would believe there would have to be some type of program. And while I was sitting down uh, looking at some stuff in the chat room, man, somebody really nailed it uh, when they were talking about free training or whatever. And someone says, mentioned, and I'll paraphrase, uh, you know, that's good, but. It's very costly. you got to consider the hotel, the ammunition, food, travel, and stuff like that. And, you know, when I started my law enforcement career, I've just, I've just always been a gun person. So that has always been my goal. I need to move into the area of law enforcement where I'm always, you know, around guns and stuff. So I started attending these schools. And not all these schools. In fact, most of the schools I've been to were on my own dime. I had to pay for them. I had to use my vacation or my comp time, the gasoline, the travel, the hotel. That's all on me. Now, the schools are available, but I want to go out and learn that. I'm stuck paying. Now, sometimes my department would uh, pony up and take care of me, and I appreciate that. And I would take advantage of that, but most of the time they didn't. And when I got into this, there was uh, uh, some of the guys I knew when we first hired on, went through the academy, they were also very excited about attending all these schools. 
and saying, yeah, we're going to do this, we're going to do that. And as time would go on, I'd say, hey, there's a, a, a an advanced SWAT down in McAllen. Let's sign up for this. And that's where I start hearing the, uh, well, you know, that school is $700. Then we got to be there a whole week, almost $100 a day at the hotel, the ammunition. And that alone started weeding people out. Um, to this day, most of those guys I know are uh, on the weekends, They'll be out at the golf range, and I'll be at the gun range. And that was, I guess, maybe it was really never, you know, they just never followed through with it. If it wasn't handed to them, they never followed through with it. Um, I wish we could uh, uh, accommodate everyone and throw all that ammunition out there and bring these people in, but, you know, I just, there's going to be, the teachers who really want to do this, nothing's going to stop them. And I guess that's the point I'm getting at. If they're, if it's some kind of knee-jerk reaction where they're kind of iffy or they're going because their friend's going or whatever, they're going to weed themselves out of this program, if there is a program, God willing. But the ones who really want to be there, the ones who are probably going to respond, nothing's going to stop them from going, whether it means they're driving an older car or they don't get the fashionable skinny jeans, they wear the old Wranglers, they're going to save their money for what they want to do. And myself and a couple of the guys who stuck with us, that's exactly what we did. We had the older cars and, you know, brought our lunches to work. But, man, we always had money to, if there was something going on in Dallas or wherever, we were there. Right. Yeah, I, listen, guys, I've seen uh, I've seen Alonzo One's uh, uh, certificate book and uh, – it's a lot bigger than the Sears catalog. Uh, I believe he's got over a thousand hours right off the bat, as years ago, on uh, in these courses, and, and certainly developed uh, devoted a lot of time to it. And he uses that same devotion uh, when he's creating a course here for the folks. And yes, I remember the uh, uh, Mark was talking earlier about the single shot shotgun. Even if you only have a single shot shotgun. Now, granted, Mark had a little bit more time to practice than me, but he was uh, he was running the single shot just about a little bit under the speed of a fast pump shotgun. Now, I couldn't quite do it that fast, but I'm telling you, I could still get off three shots in about uh, three seconds. So, so limiting firearms and limiting magazines. Is not going to stop this, and and certainly uh, trying to take all of the firearms away from everybody in the nation is just as absolutely ridiculous as as any idea that I've ever heard. Now, you can look at uh, you can look at countries where they have uh, where they have. Uh, completely banned firearms. You have, um was looking at a report uh, just yesterday, and I've got it, here it is right here. Uh, it's talking about the most violent countries in Europe. And, uh, and we have the United Kingdom, which has 1,158,957 violent crimes a year. 
All right. This is in a country with no firearms. 1,158,957 violent crimes per year. That's 2,034 people involved in violent crime being the victim of violent crime out of every 1,000 residents. Well, you get down to the United States, and we only have, in the United States, we only have... uh, uh, right around 466 crimes per 1,000. Canada has 935. Uh, South Africa has uh, 1,609 per 1,000. These countries that have outlawed firearms, they have not stopped crime by any means, and they certainly have not stopped homicide. Believe me, humans are very creative. They're they're very adaptive. If you take away uh, a firearm, then they'll figure out some other way. Uh, maybe maybe people would rather be hammered to death uh, or stabbed or burned. But I got to tell you, I would at least like to have the ability to defend myself uh, if I had the chance, and that is what. Uh, that is what our Constitution guarantees us, and that is that it enumerates the God-given right uh, to defend our lives. And <clears throat> until you eliminate all firearms in in the whole world, if you can magically uh, snap your fingers and they would all disappear, then that still hasn't fixed anything. There are still people with knives and hammers and axes. And you say, well, at least they don't have guns. And I say, that's not what my daughters and my wife say. They say, I want you to, I want to stop this person that's a lot bigger than me from cutting me up with a butcher knife. Or if I want to stop this person from chopping into my, uh, my child with a machete. <laughs> and you can't say that it doesn't happen because... I've got millions of people that can tell you that it does happen, and that it has happened, and that it will happen. There's just nobody listening to them. Go ahead, Mark. Yeah. Um, you know, that, that pretty much sums it up. Um, I'm going to get ready to hang up here, but I just want to remind everybody, if uh, you're a teacher or you work on campus, it doesn't matter what your position is, as long as you're on campus or if you know somebody, please refer them to battleroadusa.com. We're in Central Texas, and uh, we do have camping, so they don't have to get a hotel room. There's a shower or the camp until we get the uh, flushing toilets, which will be coming, Mike. And uh, yeah, yeah, we got we've got all the all of the uh, the modern facilities uh, are, are are they're coming slowly but surely. Uh, I've got a, a well dug, and I'm putting in all the, the water systems and stuff like that right now. But until then, that's not going to affect your training. You can still train, and you can still learn without a flush toilet, right? I know. All right. I, I've been doing it. Yeah, and we've got a really, really good course. And, and I know it sounds like I'm tooting my own horn, but I got to tell you that uh, that this is a good course, and and we've heard that from a lot of other folks that uh, have been through it. 
And the Battle Road philosophy is not uh, – it's a lot different than you're going to find at a lot of other places because we're not trying to teach you how to become a policeman. And we're not trying to teach you how to make entry into a house or how to defend yourself as part of a team. Uh, that is how a lot of people look at self-defense or survival shooting. Uh, and I wouldn't even call what a lot of folks are doing self-defense or survival shooting. They're just they're they're using a lot of old methods to try and teach you uh, how to how to survive as part of a team. Well you're not going to be part of a team out in the real world. It's just going to be you, and you're going to be the only one you can depend on. And uh, our philosophy is uh, we're teaching folks to survive situations on their own. And in that, in that same vein, uh, all, of the, all of the shooting evolutions begin with your, uh, in the handgun course, so they begin with your handgun concealed. Because that's how it's going to be. Unless you're a police officer, your handgun is going to be concealed, whether you're legally carrying it or not. It's not going to be out in your hip unless you're in uh, Arizona. Uh, and we're not. We're in Texas. So it's going to be concealed. And that's how we start each of the evolutions. We want you to draw your your pistol from concealed that, to get offline and to begin putting uh, three to four rounds per second into your target and you're going to shoot until the threat is done. And uh, and that's the way that you're going to survive in a real-world shooting situation. And uh, that is how we try and and model all of our instruction, is so that you as an individual are going to be able to survive this. We're not going to teach you any any police methods or military methods or, or team methods. We're going to teach you as an individual. And uh, and even though uh, Mark is a law enforcement officer, well, I don't know if anybody can hear me. Uh, I think it might got cut off again. But as he was saying, the Battle Road, we're not like uh, probably anybody else out there. Uh, I've put this together from attending many, many other classes. And at Battle Road, we are about survival shooting. You're going to win that fight. You're going to do it legally, morally, and aggressively. There's not many people out there who will tell you that, who teach you a a firearms instruction. When you come out to Battle Road, we're very different than everybody else. And once again, if you are a teacher or you know anybody like that, please come on out to BattleRoadUSA.com. Check out the website. Uh, you work on campus, you're going to shoot for free. And I'll give it back to, I guess, Sam D. Well, that's that's number 13. That's 13 times they've, cut, they've shut my phone down. So I guess uh, I, I, I'm really kind of surprised that, that it's happening. At first I thought it was just accidental, but i got to tell you, I don't think it is anymore. Uh, well, then thanks, Mark, and guys. Uh, like I said, I'm talking to some other folks here on the uh, on different uh, on different lines here, not on the phone, but on the in the chat room and stuff like that, who are asking me about uh, about the program that we're offering. And I just want to tell you guys that you're all of you, all of the folks. First of all, everyone's welcome. 
to come and take the instruction. And uh, we're getting ready to put the dates up for the coming year. We've been a little bit hesitant about it because we've got a uh, we've got a first for us, which is uh, kind of a fun event. Normally, we do just the uh, survival uh, defensive shooting, but Mark and I both uh, have a soft spot in our hearts for running guns. That's a great way to uh, to match up your shooting skills with your strength, speed, and stamina, and see how that works out. And we both really uh, we both really have become fond of this. So we're offering up our first one ever in uh, February. And that's with our, uh, and we made it a, a zombie themed thing, so that it's, though so it sounds less like a military thing, and people, people, uh, people have no qualms about shooting zombies. They need to be shot. So, we have a, a zombie destruction running gun on February 23rd, and uh, yep. we're going to have uh, about 100, uh, 100, 120, 130 of our of our best friends out, and they're going to run the course. It's a three and a half mile loop course seven shooting stations, rifle and pistol, and uh, then there's some obstacles involved. This is nothing major. This isn't boot camp stuff. Anybody that shows up is going to be able to do this uh, as far as the the obstacles and and making the three-and-a-half-mile course. You're all going to be able to do it. You don't have to be a three-gun uh, competitor to make these shots. All you have to do is uh, have some, uh, some shooting skills, some common sense, have a desire to do this, and a smile on your face, and you're going to have a good time. But we've been concentrating on that, but uh, but we're going to have our schedule. We'll probably be listed, the uh, 2013 schedule will probably be listed uh, in another week or so. Uh, Mark and I talk, were talking earlier today about the classes because we want to make sure that we're offering classes in uh, January and February for folks that want to attend the course. And you can find us at uh, battleroadusa.com. And... Uh, once again, if you're a, a school teacher or you have any job uh, where you're working for the school system, you're there on the campus, then we want to offer this instruction to you at no cost. We want to do this uh, as part of our way of helping to uh, figure this thing out. Uh, anything else you want to put in, Mark? Yeah, I, I was about to hang up, but I'm glad you mentioned the uh, zombie destruction around that uh, really lightens things up. Uh, I forget about fun. This last week or so, but yeah, you, I, I hope uh, people go out there, uh, watch the video. It's a lot of fun, and it is not a three gun; it is a biathlon, and you don't have to run it. You can walk it, or you can do both: run and walk. That's what probably what I'll do. Uh, right. But if you're into uh, prepping, or you have some bug out gear, or you have an extra kit in your vehicle just in case. This is perfect. Now you can put on some of that gear, carry whatever it is you're going to carry, and learn, hey, you know what? This thing rubs me right here, and this ain't going to work for a mile or so. I, I may want to get a different type of bag. I, maybe I want a different rig. And what you and I have learned uh, at Pecos doing a, a run very similar to this is a lot of people go out there with their favorite rifles, their favorite optics, and about two or three miles into that run with a lot of jarring around, they see, man, I... You know, I got this yeah. thing. It, they said it was good, and after a little bit of jogging around, I'm all off target. And this is a perfect time to find out, and not when you really need it. So, uh, yeah, yeah, this is going to be fun. We'll have uh, something to eat afterwards. We'll have awards. 
And, uh, yeah, check out uh, BattleRoadUSA.com and uh, look at that zombie shoot as well. It is, it's going to be a hoot, Mike. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, what's just like that? Mark said, you. Sir? Yeah, go ahead, Mark. Oh, well, with that, I'm going to hang up now. I just want to say uh, thanks for putting on the show, Mike. God bless you, and Merry Christmas to everybody out there. All right. Thank you, Mark. God bless you and your family, too, all right? All right. Okay. Uh, I've got uh, – I want to get uh, Josie Wells on because uh, – He's been waiting a while on us, and I told him at the beginning that I wanted uh, I wanted him to call in. Josie, welcome to the show. How are you, Scout? Nice to see you. Hey, good to uh, good to see your name and hear your voice, Josie. Josie, Josie Wales. I always yeah, I, uh, I always have to laugh when uh, when I I saw your name long before I. By, before I ever heard your voice or anything, I met you early on uh, up in New York. But uh, but I was thinking, Josie Wells. Now that's a good name. Why would Why didn't I think of uh, of using that for a nickname? And and uh, I was a bit surprised when I heard uh, when I heard Clint Eastwood uh, coming with a uh, with a Bronx accent. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Josie's an instructor up in uh, in New York, and uh, he's been with the program for a long time, almost since the beginning. And uh, he's a great guy, a great patriot, a great family man. And uh, and if I were getting ready to ride the river, and Josie was there with me, then I would have no qualms about jumping in. So thanks and God bless you, Josie. Uh, you were telling me earlier we're, earlier when we were talking on the phone before the show that you were worried about uh, the stuff that was happening uh, there in your neck of the woods. Tell tell me, tell the folks who are listening about that. Well, I think that you already touched base on that. I think you said the magic word about three-quarters through your show when you started to speak a little bit about the powder alarms. Now, when I do the uh, Appleseed events that we were all taught to do, um, I spend a lot of time on the introduction and setting up the three strikes of the match. I spend a lot of time on the powder alarms and on the different acts that took place between the French and Indian War and the Revolutionary War because it sets the stage and the precedence for what is to come. And when you mention the powder alarms today, that's where my heart was uh, when I spoke to you basically this afternoon. Right, and... uh... And and it, I got to tell you, it does worry me. It worries me. The whole, the whole method that our nation is using right now to talk about things, and that is, there is no talking about things. There's just yelling at each other about things. There's one side or the other side uh, trying to shove through their agendas. I, I don't know. Yes. I got to tell yes. you, I really have to question whether any of our representatives really care about the people they represent or, or not. I've I, I got to question that. You're right on base. You're right on base because I feel that um, there is an agenda, and I do feel that um, the people are being ignored, and I do believe that this was an opportunity for them to, to – and they're capitalizing on it. It's an unfortunate event, of course, and, you know, you had some great callers on today. I heard the, the lady from 
Connecticut herself speaking about the town she lives in and all the other callers speaking very logically about the events that transpired. But you have to remember, you're preaching to the choir, and logic, unfortunately, is not what we're up against. We're up against an agenda, and um, I guess that's why we Appleseed, because we know that this was going to come sooner or later, and people would use it for their agenda. Right, and and I don't know how much effect we can have, uh, because when something becomes so politicized as this, you have your representatives who who are scared to death of uh, of not making the right choice, right? Because the right choice is usually is usually pretty evident, and it's usually very easy to see. But they're scared of making the choice that might cost them their feather beds and their golf junkets and their their aircrafts and their spas and their lifetime right. pensions and stuff like that. They're scared well, of making lifestyle. the right decisions. Right, because they've been set up in this political career, and it's a lifestyle that they now have. And like you said, they have all these habits, and they have all these lobbyists, and they have all these toys and access to another lifestyle that they're maybe not willing to give up to do the right thing or what their constituents might want. Right, and listen, I still urge each of you guys out there listening, uh, even if you don't do it at any other time, take some time in the next day or two to call your representatives and and weigh in on this. Say, look, I, I know... I know that these are some troubling times, and I know that there's going to have to that that there's going to be things going on, and that there's going to be people putting pressure on you to do this or do that. But you need to tell them that if they make the wrong choices, if they make some decisions uh, to do the wrong things, that that is going to catch up with them on the next voting cycle, and. Uh, the tragedies are not supposed to be used as political footballs. They need to know that you're watching what they do because the majority of the politicians believe that they can do whatever they want because nobody's paying attention anymore. Nobody's nobody's watching what they do. They can get away with whatever they want. You need to tell them that you are paying attention and that you will be watching what they do in the next few days and that you want to make sure that they're doing the right thing. Listen, I want to thank everybody for uh, for calling in. Uh, I'm, I appreciate you guys calling in, and uh, I wish you would do this more because that's what this show is about. It's about, uh, about giving you guys a place, a forum to speak your mind on the air. Uh, I could go and do this with uh, Masada Ayub and his wife had asked me to come over to their station and do the program there, but that's just a podcast. Uh, I mean, there's no no ability for it to be live. So the only benefit in me doing it live is giving you guys a place to uh, call in and uh, to air your concerns uh, over the air. So when you do that, then you make it worthwhile for uh, for me to keep doing the show live. Josie, thank you very much for calling in. Thank you for what you do there in uh, in New York. God bless you and yours. Uh, and thanks to everybody who called in tonight, to Ed, to, to Alan, to, uh, to Kathy. God bless all of you, and we'll see you uh, next Thursday, uh, 7 p.m. Central. Scout, it's always a pleasure to speak to you, and God bless you. Thank you, sir.
Dragging who we meet, you call this liberty. 